It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. Sponsored by Franchise Intellect, a full-service franchise consulting and development firm. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Social Joey, the social media experts that provide a hyper-local presence for your franchise. More info at SocialJoey.com. And now, here's your host, Pam Curry. Hello, welcome to the Franchise Business Radio Show. This is Pamela Curry, host of the Franchise Business Radio Show. I, in addition to the studio with me, I have my co-host, Ken, with Social Joey. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Pam. Great to have you back in the studio. We are going to have a great show today. We're going to really hit two different sides of the franchise world. First and foremost, we're going to talk about the legal aspects of franchising, uh, which obviously is one of the most important components when you're thinking about a franchise and probably the scariest, especially for anyone who's considering franchise ownership, because that is something that they don't typically understand. So let me introduce my guests in the studio today to talk about franchise law. We have Kit. Kit, welcome. Hi. Uh, please, uh, please share who you're with and your full name. Sure. So my name is Kit Scheip, and I am a partner at Scheip Dosik Law. That's an Atlanta-based franchise boutique. I'm here with my partner, Pete Dosick. Good morning. Good morning, Pete. Pete, happy to have you back in the studio. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, I just have to do a shout out to our listeners. Pete actually was here for our inaugural uh, show for the Franchise Business Radio. And believe it or not, Pete, this was a couple years ago. I think it was three years ago, to be exact. You look great, though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, but that's why we're on the radio. (laughs) It's timeless for us. Uh, So happy to have you guys in the studio. In addition, who's going to be joining us in the studio is is we actually have Pino Pallet. And uh, if you scan over here, we've got Michael. And <laughs> hey, Michael, so happy to have you on the show. This is the first time ever. We're actually going to be able to witness, we're on the radio, but we do have video. We're actually going to be able to witness how Pino Pallet actually works. And in a minute, a little later in the show, we're going to have Schubert talk a little bit about the business model itself. And it's really going to give us a different perspective on franchising. What does it mean to be a franchise? Franchisee, especially a Pino Palette franchisee. Thank you. All righty, let's go ahead and learn a, bit, a little bit more about franchise law. Not an exciting topic, but a very important one. Am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me give my listeners a little bit of background on, on, on Kit and Pete. Uh, Kit is a 96 UNC law graduate, and Pete is a 97 Duke law graduate. You're never supposed to give your age, guys. <laughs> they met about 20 years ago in the corporate group of what is now Kilpatrick Townsend and have been partners at Shipe Dosik since 2013. Uh, you've been involved in the legal aspects of franchising for over 20 years. Both are franchise time legal eagles. Pete was former in-house counsel at Church's Chicken, overseeing legal for around 2,000 units. Kit was VP of franchise to what is now Global Franchise Group in Norcross, owner of several snack concepts like Great American Cookies, Marble Slab, just to name a couple. GC of Jampro Franchising International in Alpharetta. Obviously, between the both of you, you've launched many, many different startup franchisors, uh, close to 60. And you actually started Shipe Dosik and represent dozens more franchisors nationally as well as internationally. Is that correct? That is correct. Wide variety of transactional matters are covered there. Right. You've also represented dozens of franchisees. You've helped structure their business, selecting and forming an entity, 
partnership documentation, and obviously there's disputes in the franchise world. So you've had to manage the disputes with franchisors for a variety of issues. Kit and Scheib help prospective franchises maneuver the maze of franchise agreements, financing documents, lease agreements, as well as purchase existing franchise and asset and merger tra- transactions. Wow. Okay. That's what we do. <laughs> and that's and that and that's why you're so important in the franchise space because it is an overwhelming amount of responsibility that you take on. Can I kind of start off on a personal level? Uh, what what sparked your passion for franchise law? So essentially a franchise lawyer or most franchise lawyers are corporate attorneys. And I did start out knowing in law school I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. I I wanted to be the kind of lawyer that people actually were excited to come and see, helping them build something that they were passionate about. Um, And I wanted to be a piece of that process. So when I got out of law school, I was in the corporate department of a major law firm, and I was asked to be a part of the franchise team. There I worked under a gentleman who is... um, a wonderful, he was a wonderful mentor, still is to me, and his passion for it kind of rubbed off on Mm. me. What I loved about it, though, was really learning about all the interesting ways that people can come up with to develop businesses and make a living. And it's Atlanta is such a great city for that because we do have such an incredibly creative business community, and it really is an incubator for franchise concepts. Definitely. And then also on the franchisee side, it's a little bit more I I think personal than a lot of areas of corporate law because you really are helping people make such an important life decision. Mm -hmm. Often they're investing their life savings in something and it can be scary and but very rewarding because franchising does provide people with an opportunity to get away from a paycheck and really build a business that's their own Mm -hmm. and you know they may not have an MBA and they may not have the greatest idea for a restaurant but franchising can give just a typical person that with some guardrails so that they're making the decision knowing that it is a proven format so it just really it provides a lot of opportunity for for business absolutely absolutely well said well I I understand um, where you got your passion and obviously that sounds why you decided to specialize right right in, in franchise law. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about Shipe and Dosik, and I don't know who to pose this question to. Uh, what makes your practice unique? I'm going to take that one, I think. First, what makes us a bit unique is our experience as in-house franchise counsel, that we get to bring a whole level of experience and knowledge to representing both franchisees and franchisors. Uh, we can draw on our experience of not just the legal matters, but really uh, what what franchisors are thinking and why they're doing the things we do and how we can use that to the advantage of our clients. And just adding to that, so Pete and I have both had significant experience, not only in private practice, but in franchise companies on executive teams. We know how exec franchise executives think. And we've also been in the trenches seeing how these legal provisions that I think to a lot of people look like just ink on paper can really play out and really impact situations. Mm. So we've been in the trenches and we like to think that because of that, we really understand these documents and we really know what's important and Mm -hmm. what is not important. The value of seeing the the franchise model from all different perspectives. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, So if if you were buying an existing franchise business, how is that different from buying a business that is not a franchise? 
It's different in a couple of different ways. One is that when you're buying a franchised business that's already existing, you do have to have awareness that there's a third party involved, not just the seller, but mm-hmm. also there's the franchisor. Mm-hmm. So what I've seen people run into is they go plan purchase, they go to close the deal, and the franchisor says, wait a minute, you need to go to the training program. This is going to delay things by six weeks. And if people had an attorney who understood franchising more, they would not have been caught off guard by that. So that's one example. Uh, similarly, one great advantage of buying an existing franchise, what I I like to do when I'm representing the buyer is I call the franchisor and say, hey, please come do an inspection. Come look yeah. at this restaurant we're buying and is it up to brand standards? So the franchisor is super happy that someone called them and actually asked to have an inspection done, <laughs> but also that then when I'm with the buyer or with the seller, we can know exactly from an independent third party what's got to get fixed and who's going to pay for it and how it's going to get handled. Anything else to add to that? Well, I would say just kind of an overarching idea about franchising that people should understand when they get into buying a franchise versus just buying an existing business is that you are going to be buying into a system. And a big part of that is the franchisor through the franchise agreement is going to have a lot of discretion to tell you what to do, what to buy, what to when to remodel, what to spend on that remodel, what products to offer. And so while it takes an entrepreneurial spirit to get into franchising, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the wisdom says you also have to understand that you will ultimately have to go with the system. And for good reason, because obviously when someone drives through a McDonald's, they're expecting <laughs> That's right. a certain burger with a certain bun. And, you know, and then also franchisors through time markets change, they need to be able to, in their wisdom, dictate changes in the system. And those so. those are the kind of things that are covered in the franchise agreement. Exactly. One other thing that's different about buying an existing franchise, I was speaking this morning to a new client who's mm-hmm. buying a franchise or buying a business that's currently owned by the franchisor and they're refranchising it. And one thing that's different here is when we write a check at closing for quite a lot of money, we know the seller's not going to take the money and flee the country, right? We're going to be still partners with the people that sold the business to us. And right. uh, that gives you a different approach, uh, both legally and from a business point of view, when buying an existing business that's coming from the franchise or itself. Makes sense. Uh, no, great. Uh, these are great tips for our listeners. So d- definitely, thank you. So um, along on that level, what should every franchisee understand about franchising from a legal perspective? I'm going to buy a franchise. I am a franchisee. What do I really need to understand on, on a layman level as right. a franchisee? I think that the main thing to understand is that franchising is regulated by the FTC. Mm. The FTC, its main goal is to to prevent fraud. There are certain states that also regulate. Georgia is not one of them. But how the FTC prevents fraud is to require this very extensive disclosure. It's a 23-item document that goes into really all the material things about the franchisor's business, Mm -hmm. provides its financial statements, lists of franchisees, current and former. And that document is called a franchise disclosure document, as you well know. (laughs) Um, No, this is for the listeners. Thank you. And then I think the second thing that a franchisee, prospective franchisee, needs to understand going into this is that franchise agreements are very one-sided. And the goal should not be, I tell all of my clients, the goal should not be to get a balanced, equal 
document. It's mm-hmm. a different types of, type of transaction. As I mentioned before, you you are giving away a lot of control over your business, and and there are some good reasons for that. Yeah. So that the franchisor can can maintain the system. Yeah, and similar yeah. to that point, what I think kind of the main issue legally in franchising is to understand that if you buy a franchise, essentially you're buying a brand and a system and your job is to execute it with your own money and at your own risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of good reasons to want to do that, but if you want to run it your own way, then you shouldn't be a franchisee. <laughs> exactly. And from the franchisor's point of view, they want franchisees who understand that and who buy into the system and believe in it. But no matter how much we might be able to negotiate a franchise agreement and to make things a little bit more favorable to the franchisee, the bottom line is still that the franchisor owns the system and the franchisee is supposed to execute it. Right. Also, I mean, there are some franchise agreements that we review, you know, and a good franchise attorney will be able to tell a franchisee, a prospective franchisee. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is customary. This is an accepted practice in franchising. This is how it's done. And, you know, there, but there are some agreements that push it a little too far. And so I think it, the process should be more understanding what you're taking on, what types of risks as a franchisee, what rights you're giving away. And then also a good franchise lawyer should help point out what is maybe not the norm right. and what may be taking it right. a little too far understand. Yeah, yeah, Ken. At what point in the process should a potential franchisee contact someone like you guys? That's, That's a great question. I would say that pretty much when a franchisee, by the time they call us, they are through the selection process. Mm-hmm. So they've already decided on a concept and looked into it. You know, maybe they've used a broker to, to assist them, figure out, you know, what fits their personality and their needs and their budget. And then at that point, when they have, maybe they've attended Discovery Day already, then they should think about getting counsel to help them review their FTD if they decide they want to do that and not do it. On yeah, their I own. agree. People, you know, yeah. it not don't call me the day before you sign the contract, but <laughs> uh, you know, when you're pretty sure you want to buy it and you've gotten the contract in front of you or at least the franchise disclosure document, uh, sometimes people call us earlier in the process and if, sometimes even tell them, you know, it's a little premature to engage a lawyer or write a check to us at this point. Make sure you're pretty sure you want to do this one, go through the application process and then 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 give us a call. Um, I want to have one more question from a franchisee perspective and then I kind of want to flip to the franchisor, because I know you represent a lot of franchisors as well. You you already mentioned we're talking about the agreement and the execution of that final franchise agreement and what it really means. What is negotiable uh, when we think about a franchise agreement? What are some common, I guess, areas that you would be able to negotiate on for a prospective franchisee? We have a a pretty typical list of what we'll look to negotiate, what we look for. A lot of it will depend on the circumstances. A a larger franchisee, especially somebody the size of of Subway or a major chain, they're not going to negotiate it. If it's a small startup, it might be a lot more negotiable. If you're bringing a lot to the table, they might want you and, and be willing to negotiate some points more. And I tell franchisees who are the people that think of buying a franchise, I tell them that if the franchisor are smart, they won't negotiate because you're going to sign this thing anyway. So why should they negotiate? But <laughs> a lot of them will listen to reason and you can point out a few things. And we try to make it as easy as possible for the franchisor to agree to a few changes. There's a few things we always hit on. And then depending on what the franchise agreement says, if we see something that really is out of the norm for franchising, something that's really ridiculously overboard, we at least bring it up. And if the franchise won't agree to our changes, at least our client, the franchisee understands what they're getting into. Yeah. So, so I would say, um, it's funny doing, I've been doing this for so long and that if the franchisor is really established, probably they're not going to 
they're less likely to negotiate. And newer franchisors are, you know, more willing to negotiate mm. usually. But, I mean, recently um, I assisted someone and it was a brand new franchisor and we made, you know, a couple of points. I always try to get the list small and, you know, something manageable that the franchisor just doesn't scoff at and really pick and choose battles. But um, in this particular instance, this franchisor said, no, zero changes. Hmm. And, and they didn't even have one franchisee yet. So you just don't know. So I, I tell my clients, if you don't ask, you're not going to get anything. Sure. You know, maybe if it's something like a supercuts, maybe that would be a situation where you, you probably have to live with the contract and really trying to negotiate is not. You yeah, know. I'll give you a, a good example. One thing we I always like to bring up is mm-hmm. uh, what if the franchisee wants to close? Because mm, the, the contract normally says you've got to operate for 10 years and you can't quit, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Sure, that's right. what people sign up for. Of course, your lease probably says the same thing. But that's one thing we always ask. I want the right to close if it's not working out. And even if right. they say no, at least we'll understand why and find out what their process is for approving mm-hmm. a closure. I've got a client right now who's, who's dealing with that. Um, they want to get out of their, their franchise. It's mostly a ask pretty please is our strategy uh, initially. I think that that is what you just said. I was going to bring that up because I think that that is one of the most important things to ask for. I think a lot of franchisees don't realize that if they're not profitable, then they can't close. They've signed up for the initial term of that franchise agreement and they could be liable for lost future royalties for a certain period of time. So especially when it's a new, a newer concept or a brand Mm -hmm. new to the market, I think it's a really reasonable thing to ask. I think my success rate in getting it is not terribly high. um, (laughs) I think that it's, you know, something to ask for. Another thing is limiting personal liability. The franchise agreement does almost 100% of the time require that the franchisees personally guarantee the obligations of the entity that is acting as the franchisee. I, you know, different, there's different ways to do that. You could try to eliminate the guarantee. Most often that's not going to work, but you could put some kind of limit on it, mm-hmm. like maybe cap it at 50,000 or a hundred thousand. Or it goes away after two years. Or have, or... It, oh, okay. have it burn off. Oh, yeah. When they, and I've been successful getting that done for clients. See all of these excellent little legal tips. Uh, it's just a reminder of that franchise law is specialized and, um, um, very often, if I'm working with candidates and they say, oh, you know, well, Uncle Bob's a general counsel, I'm like, mm, no, that's, we, we can't go with Uncle Bob. <laughs> we want to make sure that when you are having this agreement and document reviewed, that you are working with someone who specializes in franchise law. Um, any stories around that? Yeah, both on the franchisor side, franchisee side, we've seen deals where the other lawyer didn't understand what's common in franchising or how things typically work. And we had to say, go, go back to the drawing board because it was going to really delay the deal and slowed things down. Mm-hmm. Someone who already knows what they're doing both can do a better job and is probably cheaper too. Because <laughs> I mean, Kit and I can read these 150 page documents in 20 minutes. We know what they say. Right. 90% of it already without even reading the document yet. Right. So it's pretty efficient for us to look at it. That makes perfect sense. Real quick, um, I mean, and then I want to go around and make sure we, we provide our listeners with your contact information. Uh, I also know you work a lot with franchisors. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Sure. So we represent 
currently, give or take, about 100 different systems. Wow. A, a lot of those are baby systems. Sure. And it, it's a nationwide practice, so many of them are not Atlanta-based. Um, we help them get their, you know, as we've talked about, it's highly, re- franchising is highly regulated. Mm-hmm. So every franchisor, when they're getting ready to franchise, they need to file a trademark application with the USPTO. And then they also need to develop their franchise disclosure document. That's a lot of what we do as well, help in that process. Excellent. Anything else to add, Pete? We, the bulk of our work is actually on the franchisor side. Uh, it's mm-hmm. no secret that those tend to be a lot more legal work, a lot more recurring work. Uh, we work with a number of different industries as well. I, I in particular, sometimes mark myself as a chicken lawyer. I work, with, <laughs> I work with five or six different chicken brands, and I'm still looking for a buffalo wing brand to represent. I will, okay, we'll I get will, one of those for you. Anyone has a buffalo wing brand. <laughs> I will trade legal services for buffalo wings. <laughs> Fair Pete enough. has actually done that before. He has traded legal services gift cards. <laughs> Hey, there's a barter for everything. (laughs) Absolutely. Note to self. (laughs) So if uh, our listeners wanted to get in touch with you for legal counsel advice, Kit, how would they go about doing that? Our website is www.shipedosiclaw.com. I'm going to make you spell that. Mm -hmm. And Shipe is ship with an E, S-H-I-P as in Paul, E-D-O-S-I-K. If you can Google Shipe Dosik and maybe spell it closely enough, it should it should show up. You'll pop up. <laughs> yes. That means you guys are doing pretty good in the SEO and digital marketing world. <laughs> exactly. Well done. <laughs> okay. Doing okay. Uh, would you like to also provide your phone number? Sure. Uh, my number is 404-429-7814. And my number is 404-788-4220. Excellent. Ken, did you have one yeah, more question? I, I did have one more question. Some great information. I learned a lot today about the, the legal aspects of franchising and when to get them involved. Yep. But and, and I know I'm not the only one that caught this. We've got UNC Law and Duke Law here in the house. Exactly. <laughs> and and does, exactly. does it get rivalrous during basketball season or no? Well, I mean, there's been times where there's been a game on and UNC has really been, you know, killing Duke. And I've, I've taken <laughs> photographs of it and and. <laughs> Sent that you know of the of the score and and sent that information to Pete and sometimes I misspell Duke on purpose D O O K, but he then says his response is well they didn't teach you how to spell at UNC so yeah I, I can tell Kit is just jealous of Duke that's all oh, oh Ken you are never, so wrong never <laughs> that's great I love it well really really love having you in the, on the show and in the studio Pete welcome back I'd thanks love for having me Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and I'd like to introduce our next guest. Uh, um, Actually, we're very excited. This, as I mentioned before, this is Pinos and Palette. And uh, we actually have the franchisee from Pinos and Palette. We're going to let her slide in here and join us at in the studio at the radio. And immediately, so I'm, I'm hoping I pronunciate your name correctly. Shubra Zaxina. Oh, wonderful. Well, uh, now Shubra is the owner and the manager of Pino's Palette. And uh, not only are we going to have a chance to interview her and really get a franchisee perspective, but we're actually going to have a chance to see what this whole process looks like. We've got Michael, our artist here in the studio as well. And he is actually going to be doing the pro business channel logo as we go through this interview and uh, really excited about that. Shubra, welcome. Welcome to Franchise Business Radio. Thank you so much, 
Pamela. It's uh, nice to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. Well, let me um, kind of start off with your story, if you don't mind. What What is your story? How did this all come to be? So in a past life, I worked for Pepsi in Dubai, which is in the Middle East. We moved here to Atlanta, and I quickly found out that the two words I should not be saying to anyone is Pepsi and the Middle East, and that two together was Good point. career suicide. Good point. So, well, didn't quite work out for me in the career market over here. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I did the PTA thing, you know, volunteering and things like that. And I went and did this for a friend's birthday, a paint and sip. And I said, okay, I just found my calling for the rest of my life. Ah. And there started my journey. I found a franchise that I, you know, I wanted to work with. And here we are today. I created a happy place that I wanted people to come in, enjoy. Kids from three to people to the age of 103 have all found joy in our studio. Wonderful. So you were a customer at once. And then that's how you discovered Pino's Palette. And that's really common. So where did it go from there? You go, wow, I really love this concept. This is for me. So when I found that I fell in love with the concept, I wrote to those people that this is what I want to do. They never responded. Ah. I waited two weeks. I wrote to them again. I didn't get, I didn't hear back. I went on the internet and I said, well, you're not going to be the only fish in the sea. I'm going to find someone else who does this. Sure. And Pino's palette came up. I wrote to them. They responded right away. Ah. I said, okay, that's the kind of customer service I want to give to my guests. Good point. Yeah, that that was the first test, right? Always. Uh, How responsive are you to customers and franchisees, future franchisees? How long have you been a franchisee? I have been a franchisee for five and a half years. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. And where is your Pinos and Palette located? My Pinos Palette studio is located in Johns Creek. Johns Creek. Uh, Excellent. Okay, so we're talking like we know what it is because we're sitting here watching Michael do his artwork. Tell us a little bit about the products and services. I'm a customer. Okay. So um, as I said, it's for everyone from three to 103. We offer party packages. We offer corporate events, team oh, building. Okay. And uh, if you don't have anyone to go with, just join any of our public classes. Come make friends in our studio. Excellent. So with the with the group is like the corporate packages, do they always come to your studio? Do you ever go to them? How we does do, that We do travel as well. Okay. Now we don't just do corporate events. We also cater to apartment complexes. We travel for various other events as well. So Would you ever go into, I'm just brainstorming with you know like a senior care home oh yes we've done that too okay i can see that be ve- being very yes. very popular in that area and as an individual if you have public classes is there a set schedule on your site yes there's there's an entire schedule printed on our website and okay. you can go in pick the class that you would like to attend or if there's just cool. a day that you want to go have fun pick the day sign up for the class come in say that's the painting i don't want to do it i want to change up the colors that doesn't match my house. We help you. <laughs> and do we get to bring in our own Pinot to drink? Oh, absolutely. We are strictly BYOB. So okay. I hope John's Creek is not listening to this, but we have seen everything from moonshine to fine scotch. <laughs> I wish you would have brought in a sample of that. <laughs> well, we're BYOB, so we don't supply that. I understand. Totally understand. We do, however, provide people with wine glasses, paper products, plasticware, ice and bottled water in our studio. 
studio. Oh, okay. So, you know, you don't have to worry about the peripheral things. You just bring the beverages you want to enjoy, the food you want to enjoy, and just come on in. Is there is a, there a standard size to the class in the studio? Not always. Oh. Um, our classes can be anywhere from two people onwards to our cl- uh, full class size would be four. Oh, wow. All right. Yes. That is, and kind of, I, admittedly so, I've never, I've been wanting to do this. This is on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list. So do you have a Michael in there coaching us? Yes, how, d- how does it work? Like what happens in that classroom? So when you come in, we guide you. We've got cubbies to put stuff that you won't want to get paint on. We guide you to put on an apron, set out your refreshments, you know, pour your glass of wine. Your name's written in your place. We have assigned seating in the studio. So your name's <laughs> written in your place. Oh, there. Awesome. BYOB here. Uh-huh, here you're at Franchise Business Radio, too. You take it seriously. No Rich has that in the studio. Really? Thank you, Rich. Uh, and just a shout out to the uh, listeners here. Uh, Rich is a gin drinker. Say <laughs> BYOB and anything goes, so there's your gin. Yeah, excellent. Thank so you. So you pour your glass of beverage of whatever you would like to enjoy, and you come on in and take a seat. We guide you through step by step through the process. All our artists are trained. They all have a BFA in fine art, so they're all trained artists, and then they're all trained in the Pino's Palette Franchise System. Excellent. So they're trained in our way of instructing. They make it easy for you. And if you want to change things up, we help you do that too. Where is Pino's Palette Corporate Headquarters? It's in Houston, Texas. In Houston, Texas. And are there... uh, a couple of different stores here in Atlanta, or are you the only store right now? Currently, we're the only one. Well, that's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about uh, your client profile. Who do you want to target uh, as a Pino's palette? Well, I would love to get more corporate clients. Okay. We do have a lot of corporate clients currently that we deal with, but I would love to see everyone come to us. I would love to see even the smaller franchise businesses, even if we have a small office, we can tailor something to your needs. The thing is, you know, we're not in the art industry. We're in the customer experience industry. Oh, that makes sense. Very good distinction. Mm -hmm. It is (laughs) a very good distinction. So we don't have tailor-made, we don't have custom packages. We have tailor-made packages. We work with you. We identify what it is that you would like to do, and then we cater to that need. And that's, is that the mission? Is that, would that be a good way to describe your mission? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. I'd like to just kind of get your perspective as a franchisee. You know, we, we just had, we were just talking about franchise law and that process. And you've been a franchisee for now five and a half years. What's been your experience? What advice would you give to someone who's considering becoming a franchisee? Do your due diligence. Due diligence. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Know that this is what you want to get into. And even if this is the industry you want to get into, research thoroughly before you invest. Mm. Once you've invested, you really can step back. Make sure that your values align with the values of the franchisor. Ah, yeah. Wow. Uh, really, no, really, really great perspective. And we've had obviously many franchisors, many franchisees on the show. And a common theme is research, research, research. And you just brought up another very important point is is that you align with the franchisor's philosophies and values and, and cultures and, and things on those lines. Kit, any I mean any thoughts around that? I see you nodding your head. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with with what she's saying. Surprisingly, there are a lot of people that I think buy franchises and they don't do very much research. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things at the back of the FDD is a list of of current and former franchisees. Mm -hmm. And uh, the FTC actually recommends calling at least 100 franchisees. It can take forever, but it's a huge investment. And I think if you have access, especially to other franchisees, you you should be able to get a pretty good feel. You know, how does the franchisor exercise its discretion? It has a lot of discretion. How does it use its discretion? And what is the culture? Franchise systems will vary greatly. That's true. Our discovery day was two days. One day we immersed ourselves in the experience, in the paint and sip experience. And the next day we met met the team at headquarters and they vetted us to see if we were a good fit for the franchise. Yes. And they took a week to discuss if we were a good fit. And that's when they got got back to us and they said, okay, I think we agree that you're a good fit. Yeah. And in the franchise, we call it awarding. The franchisor would say, I want to award you that franchise, right? Um, Excellent. Just great feedback. I didn't, you know, I wanted for our listeners uh, just to hear, you know, what it means to be a franchisee and some important steps to take before making that commitment and signing that franchise agreement. Franchisors do talk about awarding a franchise, but another thing that I've heard, just different management teams, this really great franchise system that I worked for, he would always correct people when we would refer to franchisees as franchisees. He would say, no, they're our customers. You know, Mm -hmm. and it goes back to what you were saying. You got the call back right away and that impressed to. And there are systems that really have that philosophy entrenched that franchisees, not only are they the partner, a, a partner in, in building the brand, but they are actually, they are the revenue source for franchisors. They are the customer. Mm, and that's true. We aren't just the customers. We are also a family within ourselves. Mm. We are treated as such and we are also in a way, employees. So we are all constantly trained and retrained in marketing tactics and different ways of customer service. So there's different like three to four trainings a month that wow. we have to take part in. Ongoing training. Ongoing. Which is another yes. uh, another important thing to, to look to, right, from your franchise or as a franchisee. Uh, so should we take a look here at Michael's? Uh, are you, this is looking great. Yeah, so this is just the beginning of it. Normally in class, we would have everyone else painting what I'm doing on their own canvas. Okay. Um, and uh, at some of our, you know, uh, some of our business events, we actually have uh, the customers, the people there, come up and help me to paint this. So actually, if anyone in the studio here wants to come up and, you know, paint a little part of it, feel free. Yeah, just let me know. Ken, you want to go for it? I'm okay, going for it. and I, I know that might have been a little difficult because Michael, he's he's being an artist. He doesn't have uh, a headset on, but he was just sharing with us that very often in the classes, everyone will have their own canvas and be able to do their own paintings. But in addition, sometimes there's a group approach. Uh, so we've got we have our co-host <laughs> Ken up there. This is I was like, you look like a pro. I'm like, yeah, now are you usually doing that on canvas, Ken, or is it on a wall at home? <laughs> no, usually it's on a canvas. On a canvas. Wherever I find these guys. <laughs> So Excellent. first event that we've done with them. <laughs> and I do want to ask you, um, if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's, let's share a little bit more about where your store is located for those that actually want to put together an event or even sign up for one of your public classes. How would they go about doing that? So, well, they, if they want to sign up for one of our public classes, they can go on our website, www.penispalette.com slash Johns Creek. 
they can find an event they would like to sign up for or just pick a day that they want to come in. And if they don't like the painting, change up the colors, have fun with colors, whatever it is. So, you know, that's what they can do. Or they can call us at mm-hmm. 770-783-1783 and we can make the booking for them. Give me that number again. 770-783-1783. And just because it is unique name, Pino's Palette, I'm going to ask you to spell that real quick. P-I-N-O-T apostrophe S P-A-L-E-T-T-E Pino's Palette. Pino's Palette. And uh, Shubra, it has been so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, it's fun too. <laughs> oh, so much. <laughs> I mean, what better you way to get You want to take care of your bucket list? Want to get on there? I do. You know what? I am going to get on there. When we wrap up this show, I'm going to help Michael finish this up a little bit, and I hope I don't ruin it because... You won't. I won't. <laughs> but even better, I'm going to personally experience and, and get and check out I your public schedule. I would love for you to... Le- We'll, I'll talk to you after the show Absolutely. and I'll hook you up with something. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. I think that's what we were talking about, a barter system, right? <laughs> we, we might <laughs> I love this kind of barter system, actually. <laughs> Me too. It does. It gets you to your happy place, right? Absolutely. Back to that happy place. Excellent. Well, thank you for being in the studio and on the show. Let's go ahead and do some uh, franchise announcements, Ken. What is going on in the franchise world? Tell you what, we have a lot of events coming up. We've got... Uh, in June, in the month of June, is going to be a very busy month for franchising. Uh, the International Franchise Association Women's Franchise Network in franchising and specifically gives back Love is it. going to be doing a um, an event with the Veterans Empowerment Organization from nine to one on Saturday, June sixteenth, and they're going to be working at the campus, helping beautify, landscaping, painting, small kind of uh, fixer upper type things, and then we're actually going to have some sponsors there to sponsor lunch, oh, and nice. we'll have to, we'll get to have lunch with the veteran. Okay. Uh, so and you're then. Part of that is painting, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> and, and if you want to volunteer, okay. <laughs> and then uh, just two days after that, on the 18th of uh, June, uh, the International Franchise Association Women's Franchise Network is going to meet at the City Club of Buckhead. And now we've changed to Monday night this time in June because we have the Franchise Consumer Marketing Conference ah. in Buckhead at mm-hmm. the Intercontinental Hotel on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of that week. So that's 619 through the 21st. So what a lot of the franchise C-level executives do is they'll come in on Monday and they'll come to the WFN event on Monday evening and then start the show off at Franchise Consumer Marketing on Tuesday morning. Oh, that's going to be a busy month. It is very busy, but it's a good month. Yeah, excellent month. Great. Um, Just to further build on some things that are happening as far as events in the franchise world, this coming weekend, uh, there is an event that's happening in Kennesaw. uh, And it's not specific to franchising. It actually goes back to a nonprofit organization. It's called Shootout for the Soldiers. Uh, Definitely something near and dear to all of our hearts, right? Um, an incredible cause. What Shootout for the Soldiers does is actually a 24-hour lacrosse event. There is one lacrosse game that's held every hour over a 24-hour period. And and the whole mission behind it is to raise money for the veterans and also to uh, encourage community. Um, so I actually am planning to volunteer at that. Um, as you know, I, I recently became a franchisee, the help of P2, of CG3 Battery Fund raising. And we serve the nonprofit 
nonprofit organizations at CG3 Battery Fund. We serve them to help them with their fundraising efforts. So I'm really excited to go out there and not only volunteer my time, but also use my CG3 batteries uh, as a way to raise money for the cause. Uh, and so that is happening this weekend. Thank. Oh, yeah, we were laughing about yeah, this. Yeah, we were laughing about this. So this morning when I came into the studio, I drive in from Tennessee, as you know, in mm-hmm. the morning. <laughs> and, uh, and I looked at the batteries on the table and it says Cleveland Blue Raiders. And I went to high school in Cleveland High School <laughs> in Tennessee a number of years ago. As Rich said, never tell your age on on uh, the radio. So I won't. But uh, it just it just goes to show you how small the world. Yes, actually it is. is. Yeah, and just and just to let you know what, um, and I know you can see a little bit of what uh, CG3 batteries is. Is actually it's a large assortment pack of your classic household batteries, your double A's, your triple A's, your C's, your D's. But it comes in a water resistant box that is then branded, personally branded for the actual cause. So. Um, it, it's a personal touch. It's something everybody uses, needs, wants, already buying, but they're getting at a deeply discounted price. And by purchasing something they're already they're already purchasing, they're able to give back to a cause. So it, it really, really is a win for all parties. And it's nice that it gets personalized uh, for the actual organization itself. Uh, so anyone who is interested in giving to Shootout for the Soldiers, it will be posted on the Pro Business Channel site, Franchise Business Radio. And I'm also, please follow me on LinkedIn as well as Facebook, Pamela. Curry, that's C-U-R-R-I-E. I definitely will put the donor link out there for anyone who would like to give to that cause. Very excited about it. So with that being said, just to, to wrap up Franchise Business Radio, uh, I'd like to just go around the studio and have everyone just once again, give your name and your contact information. So great having you on the show. A lot of great advice and information. Let me go ahead and can we st- start off full name? And I'll reach you. I'm Shubra Saxena from Pino's Palette, Johns Creek. And you can reach us at 770-783-1783. Email address johnscreek at pinospalette.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Kit. And like my, my website as well? As an artist, I... I, Abs- I Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead? And Michael, we've got we've got a great artist here, and he's been kind of in the background. We're hearing it. Please speak directly into into the microphone and so, share. One more time. It's Michael Reber at uh, ReberArts.com. R E B as in boy E R. Wonderful. Thank you. Beautiful artwork. And Kit Shipe, Shipe Dosic Law, and uh, the website is www.shipe.law.com. And my telephone number is 404-788-4220. Excellent. Thanks, Kit. And Kit, what does Social Joey do? Please just give a quick, you're always here in the studio and, and we just talk franchising. Sure. Yeah. You know, Social Joey, we are specifically into social media marketing for franchisees. And, you know, we help drive that customer traffic, that foot traffic. On the franchisor side, we can help them drive pre-qualified franchisees mm-hmm. uh, to them for the franchisor. So really, we're in the digital space, specifically the social space, which has been in the news a lot lately. Oh, yes. And quite overblown, I'd like to say, <laughs> as, as most things are in Washington. <laughs> but uh, you can reach me at uh, Ken at socialjoey.com or 423-987-6311. And one last shout out to Michael, the artist who did not paint over my painting strokes over there. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, Pamela Curry, host of Franchise Business Radio Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, If you do need to reach me, do not hesitate to contact me at Pam at FranchiseIntellect.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again for joining Pam Curry and her guests on the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, a full-service franchise consulting and development firm. More info at 
FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Social Joey, the social media experts that provide a hyper-local presence for your franchise. More info at SocialJoey.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show. And check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com. <laughs>